0: is a podcast of Tennessee voices about mental health featuring stories of people who have overcome mental health challenges as well as those who have helped people overcome mental health challenges. This podcast is about authenticity and it's intended to give a voice to those who are passionate about mental well-being. We hope that by sharing stories, Listeners understand mental health and just how important it is in our day-to-day lives, and they will help us reduce stigma. We want you to know that so many who have struggled with mental health can and did overcome their challenges, and if you are struggling, you can too. I'm your host, Ricky Harris, CEO of Tennessee Voices, and with me is my favorite co-host, Will Voss, COO of Tennessee Voices. Welcome to our podcast. Let's get Candid.
1: Okay, so thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today for our Can Did podcast segment. Um, Jasmine is currently a therapist here in our outpatient therapy program, uh, providing support to all ages, um, individuals who are seeking therapy therapy in the moment. So Jasmine. Tell me a little bit about your background, um, kind of what brought you into the field.
2: Yeah, so I started with my undergraduate in um, 2015 at MTSU in social work. And then I started my internship in 2018 at Tennessee Voices. So that was my first time um, being in the field. Um, I've always wanted to help people, so that's always been my passion. And I started out with program development, not working one-on-one. So it's a big change for me to be here now um, as a therapist, graduated with my master's in 2020, so last year fresh out. Um, and working with individuals has been great. It's been very exciting and something new every day. So I've loved that. Um, and just getting to help people. Um, one thing we always talk about is what your why is and helping people figure out what their why is so fun to me. Um, it makes me feel like I have purpose. So that's kind of why I'm here.
1: Awesome, That is great to hear. Yes, you started with us back in 2018. Uh, time is flying. So talk to me a little bit about you know what it was like coming in as an intern in 2018 to becoming staff and leaving, returning. Now you're back with us. What has it been like working for Tennessee Voices or being connected with Tennessee Voices over the past three years?
2: It's been so exciting. Um, I think the first time I came here, like my first week here, I was so nervous. Like what to expect program um, professional development versus personal development can I be myself in the workplace those things um and it was a journey let's just say that um to get and to be comfortable and um knowing that I'm in a place where I'm accepted um is huge for me and I've always felt that Tennessee Voices um the youth voice is something that we've always pushed and just like being able to be heard no matter what your age is or what your category you fall into is. Um, And so inclusion has been huge for me here. Just feeling like I'm a part of a whole or a system that's doing something positive has been great. Um, And then like the transition from being an intern to being an employee, um, even better, right? Like getting to know that I have a voice and kind of kind of develop me developing my own personality in, in this has been great. Um, and I did leave for four months and it was <laughs> one of those experiences, like you have to go out there sometimes to kind of see what, what you need or what you don't have or what you already have. And I learned very quickly. I had all the things I needed, all the tools I needed, and that I was where I was supposed to be. And sometimes money is not, is not the reason to like go out there and try to better yourself. So I came back and I planned to stay. (laughs) And it's just been one of those things where, like I said, my voice being heard is one thing, but taking it a step further and asking, well, what can we do with the things that you need? Once you tell someone what you need, you have to be positive in that and confident in that. And that's one thing that you have taught me, like confidence is key. When you ask for something, know what you're asking for. And what does that look like for you? So um, I think that I think professionally, my voice has been developed here in the most positive way that it could be.
1: You mentioned voice a lot in what you just said. So how as an agency, I guess, how has that been, um, the opportunity been awarded to you?
2: So here we have our tagline, firsthand experiences, right? And I think that at first coming in, it was very uncomfortable for me to talk about my own experiences. Like, that's separate. You know, I'm a professional here. And I quickly learned that those things merge so fast and that to kind of get to get across to your clients or to reach them, sometimes you have to take off that therapist hat and say, hey, I'm a human. um, And this experience that we're having here is a human experience. And yes, I am here in a position of power to help you, but that power really means nothing because you're in charge and we have to meet you where you're at. And so using my voice to empower others through knowing that I've had experiences similar to them um, and knowing that just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean I'm that much removed from what mental health looks like and how it can affect you as a person. So just kind of, uh, I think Ricky sent out a a motivation to this morning talking about humility. And I think about that a lot in my own life. Like, the word grace is big for me. Like what do you extend to others when you need, you know, when they need it most and then vice versa, what are you giving out, you know, for those people who need things. So just being um, me through and through is something that I have done with my voice. And I think that's been accepted here and also appreciated.
1: That is good to hear. Always rewarding. And, you know, we, we talk a lot as an agency, we are Tennessee voices, right? Mm -hmm. People think if we're out in the community, I know in the past, they thought we were a singing group. No, we use our voices in different ways. We advocate. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: How is it that, or I guess to reframe the question, how would you encourage someone to be able to use their voice? I mean, you, you talked a lot about, you know, we, we mentioned youth voice and coming in as an intern and, Three years later, you're still using your voice in a therapeutic setting. How would you encourage someone else to use their voice?
2: So I think something that um, David and I talk about a lot, which is my clinical supervisor, Tennessee Voices clinical supervisor. Um, he often pairs voice with choice. So what does that look like? You know, um, giving someone the power to use their voice is one thing, but I think that. Like, real advocacy is telling them the ways to use it, right? So here, you already had the tool to begin with. You've always had your voice. But I often present it as from 0 to 18, we're told what we can do, basically, right? Like, we have these rules that we have to follow. We have fine lines. Um, some of those are in our control and some of them aren't, right? So what can we do with that? After that 18 age, we start getting a little bit more choice. But, you know, from that time, that 0 to 18, it's very this or that, right? So, um, kind of learning what it looks like when you don't have a this or that option, when you have to create your own this or that, um, and realizing what power that, like, that gives you, it gives a person. It's empowering, um, and it's also kind of scary, right? When you're the person in power, it's like, oh, no, what's happened? What can I do with that? So, um, you know, just giving them them tools to say, hey, you are capable. Um, you might have had your voice, you know, muted before but it's okay like we can work past that um and just giving people confidence again i think i struggle with that sometimes just fear is a big emotion for me it drives me often i have anxiety i talk about it all the time and so you know giving that power in my life what does that look like do i want it to be louder than my own voice no of course not so just you know reminding people that there are things that are going to kind of be obstacles but you still can use your voice and how does that look for you
1: it's good. And you you talk a lot about you go from you know your professional standpoint to letting people know, yeah, you're still human. You're a therapist and you're still human. These are things that I struggle with, which is awesome. I think that continues to show your humility. You mentioned just a minute ago that fear is something, you know, sometimes it creeps up on you and you continue to still move forward and push forward. There are a lot of people that we're hoping to reach in these podcasts that are going to be experiencing a lot of not only what Ricky and I are talking about, but with every guest that comes on this show and mentions as well. So there's someone out there that's listening right now, and that that fear is something that they can relate to. How would you encourage them? You know, what's something that you, you yourself use to continue to push forward at times? What would you tell someone else is listening?
2: I always tell my clients, fear is a chameleon emotion. So we look at chameleons and they they respond to the stimuluses in their environment. So if they're scared, which typically what happens whenever they change emotion, they match their environment. So you can't see them anymore, right? Um, so I talk about that a lot like how is fear driving you in your life and how does that look like when do you change colors when do you act like something you're not right Um, and so with that I always let them know the only time that we should talk about what ifs is if we're going to be a scientist (laughs) sometimes they like that sometimes they don't but 50 50 is something that can drive your life right like well, it could go this way or it could go that way. So I always say, you know, put put your hope in, in the good things um, and, and do work around that. Put your hope in, in the good things that could happen and hope that that does come through and come to fruition. Um, I'll give you the tools. I'll give you the support. I'll be someone you can count on. I'll model that for you. Um, and we'll work through that together. So I always tell people you're not alone. Um, fear is something that is going to always be present. And we just have to figure out what what ways can we come can we come um, overcome those fears that we do have. So
1: it's good, that is good. You probably just helped a lot of people moving <laughs> forward. Yeah, I'm being serious about it. I'm being serious. You've been here three years and you have seen a lot of change, right? <laughs> um, change in staff, uh, change in leadership um, in different levels. And you also were here during a pandemic <laughs> while we were trying to figure out what does this look like? How do we still provide services? And you also were here as we talked about uh, racial inequality, things going on in the world. You decided to join the Cultural Diversity, Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Uh, you brought a very, very, very great perspective you also were part of that planning committee to really get there, um, where we we sat and we openly talked about how we were feeling, about what was going on after the um, aftermath of George Floyd's killing. You wrote poetry,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you wrote letters, um, things that helped you cope. And then you also took the time to talk with other staff members and being able to educate them. Talk to me about how that experience was for you because you weren't doing therapy at that time.
2: <laughs> I, was not, I was not a therapist at all. I was my own yep. therapist, maybe. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that time was hard for everyone, which was beautiful that we were able to be together on that. I think, um, I think our agency did something that a lot of people were scared to do, um, which was talk about it. The first step, right. And, yep. um, and that wasn't that was huge for me because coming from the place that we come from. Um and which is my no, right
1: place for those
2: that yeah, right. Listening. So being the one that's not the one in the room, basically. And what that means to me is being different, <laughs> being an outlier, being someone who you can visibly say, Hey, you don't look like everyone else, or you're not, you're not coming with the same things that other people are coming with, right? So we look at marginalized people. Um, and I feel like a lot of times in my life I've fallen in that category um for different reasons, being a woman, uh, being a person of color, different things like that. Um And so for me, I was like, wow, look at look at this opportunity for us to kind of come together as a whole and people to hear us. Right. Like really hear how we feel. And so. I loved loved the opportunity. Um, I think the biggest thing I got from that whole experience, and I think that our agency really did some good healing in that time, was that the first step is being courageous enough just to say, hey, this is what's going on, and like we have got to talk about it, right? Having those hard conversations is something that's so important, and maybe we don't see change for five years after the combo, right? Maybe it's 10 years later. I don't know, but I know that it feels good in that moment to know that other people care and to kind of just come together on that. And so um, the CDI, CDI has been amazing. Um, I think that everyone in, in it and involved around it have been open and honest. And I think that's another beautiful concept that we haven't always gotten. Um, and then the conversations outside, you know, I've taken it to other meetings, like, hey, I didn't see you there. And I just want you to know this is what we're doing, right? And that even having that received well has been a great, a great feeling. Um, you know, I'm sitting here right now with Black Lives Matter earrings on and it's like no one cares about that. You know, like it's important that we um, can say it and express ourselves the way that we feel um, and be accepted. And then in return, you know, be positively reinforced by that. We talk about that a lot. And so yeah. I think that, um, you know, it was good. It was good for everyone. It was good for the agency. And um, we have to keep doing that work. We have to never give up on it because I think it's so important.
1: (laughs) Which led me into my next question. You kind of just answered a little bit. Why did you join the committee? You said it was something that a lot of other agencies didn't do, something that we had not done here as an agency. What made you join it?
2: I think it's one of those things that like Sometimes you know what you have to offer, like before you come to a table or a position. And then sometimes you have no idea. Like maybe I'm just there just to say I'm there to be a part of the collective. I don't know. I think I felt like I had no choice, right? Like it's one of those things that I did without thinking, kind of like breathing, like, oh, I'm gonna do that for sure, because it's a part of my passion and it's something that isn't person that doesn't just personally affect me, but professionally. um, You know, it's something that has followed me for my life um, and will continue to follow me. And I think that this was not only like healing, like I said, but also good practice, because there's going to be another situation where we have to speak up and have that difficult, difficult conversation. I think one time in a meeting, you told me, I was like, not what you say. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. And ever since then, I'm like, okay, I have important things to say and I'm always going to say them. That's one thing about me, (laughs) no matter what it is. So just finding the way to say, hey, I got this going on or, hey, like, I wanted to talk to you about this. Like, those things are so important. And I think the uh, CID, is that right? Yeah cDI excuse me abbreviations um yeah I think that that's another thing that it gives us the ability to do like you know teaching us that there are hard topics we're even gonna have those conversations with our clients so if you can't do that with yourself and your own time and your own comfort zone you cannot do that with another person so yeah I think it it, it does a lot for everyone um and it also it just gives a safe space to kind of say hey this happened and I need someone to hear me.
1: I'll tell you a difficult conversation. You talk about vulnerability, um, having those hard conversations. I remember you as a new therapist, you came into my office one day and you said, well, got a question for you. And before I could send you away, I said, what? You asked me, what should you do to a certain situation? Do you recall where I'm heading with this? Of course. <laughs> there was a referral that was made, an outpatient therapy referral. Mm-hmm. Um, they requested an African-American female therapist. And you were like, I mean, what if, yeah. what if you have a different background story? Um, that really hit home to me because we are both black. We're both African-Americans from my viewpoint from walking in my shoes. Yeah, your background is different from mine. And there are different struggles that you face being a black female that I don't face as a black male. And then you come from an interracial background. Given a scenario, looking back on where you were in that moment, how do you encourage other individuals who have backgrounds that are similar to yours? How do they cope with what's going on what, what do they how do they deal with
2: it yeah so I think something we often talk about is skin color um I've often made comments like you know well my skin is not outwardly black so that does put me in a different category I am mixed which is a fact of life um biracial whatever you want to call it um and you know I've had this conversation a thousand times with my grandma. And she would always say, well, what do you identify as? That's all that matters. And, you know, um, that looks different for everyone. And everyone gets the right to identify with what they want to. And I think that's something I personally believe. Um, and so I guess that's where I originally was coming from with the question. I say in that scenario, if anyone else is faced with that, that you've got to hush that self-doubt. Because at the bottom of that self-doubt was a person. Once again, back to humility and You know, you reminded me like you're a therapist. Just do your job, right? So um, I think that in this world we have all these hats. What I call them, they're also identities, whatever you want to call it, boxes to check off, whatever. Um, And you know, I think that they weigh on us sometimes. You know, I've like I said, I'm a woman. I'm a woman of color. I am a biracial woman. So yeah, I have been right in the middle of all of that my whole life, (laughs) and navigating that has never been just a simple black and white answer, which is now, no pun intended there. <laughs> so, um, when looking at that, you know, I think self doubt is easy to feel. It's, um, you actually gave me a book recently, um, uh, Brene Brown book mm-hmm. talking about you are your best thing, and I have literally not put it down since you gave it to me. Yeah, I've been waiting um, on that
1: book to return, but you know, I wasn't
2: yeah. even gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost done with it, so it will return quickly. Um, and one of the things that they talk about is black guilt and what does that look like, right? Like, everyone's is different and it comes in all shapes and sizes and it's very carryable, right? You carry it anywhere you go. <laughs> and so, um, you know, there's essays in there that talk about that and each version of black guilt is different, so different, but it's, it's definitely something that you can relate to on each s- scenario. Yeah. So, um, you know, that advice that I have for that is just, Hush yourself down and remember who you are. Um, remember your ancestors. Remember what you came from. What you, what was built around you, um, which was literally this country. <laughs> so I think you know those things empower me and remind me that I am where I'm supposed to be. I I always tell myself I have this quote in my mirror in my bathroom. Don't question the table you set up. Someone set you there, right? And a lot of times, you know, maybe it's you, Will, who brought me in here into this agency. You gave me a choice the first time. Or maybe, you know, I worked for it. I don't know which one it is. But either one, I've been here and I've been awarded this spot. So I can't question that. So that's my advice.
1: You know, I'm going to challenge that. You said I gave you a spot. How hard did you work as an intern? (laughs) Hard. (laughs) You worked hard for it and you earned that spot. You earned that spot. You know, there are a lot of interns that come through and, and they, they work hard. And unfortunately, we're not able to find a placement at that time. And then there are moments where things align together and they work out perfectly as they should. You worked hard for it as an intern. Um, you, you understood the importance of networking and showing people who you truly are and really learning to understand your why. Not just talk about it, but understand your why. Mm-hmm. So you're in your seat at the table. And you're doing great at it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So we talk a lot about self-care.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We've talked about, you know, why you got into the field and youth boys, finding your voice, having your own lived experience, um, cultural competence, being Black in America.
0: Mm-hmm
1: what are some self-care tips that you can give listeners out there that you have found helpful in dealing with any of those categories?
2: Yeah. So self-care is something you taught me. So kudos to you. (laughs) Before that, I did not know what self-care was just flat out, to be honest. Um, And I think that self-care is once again, a journey, one of those lifelong journeys that we should never quit (laughs) and always seek. And for me, um, advice on self-care is whatever you can do to de-glamorize it, do that. Um, Self-care needs to be accessible. (laughs) I mean, literally at the snap of a finger, it needs to be something that always makes you feel good, not a 50% time um, and then the other time it doesn't, right? It needs to be something that you can do at any moment, in any place, and any time. Um, you know, I often tell my people that you've got to find free self-care first and then build on that. Build on the things that you can't afford to do and the things that look good to you. But self-care at the basis, literally what makes you feel good. If that's walking outside for five minutes in between your break, you do that, right? And then making a plan for it is the other thing. I never thought about, like, why would I plan my self-care, right? It, that was another thing you taught me. I'm like, why well, do I don't need to write this down. But we all know that if we see things, we're more apt to do them. So writing it down is really important. Um, and it's kind of like setting a goal for yourself. Uh, if you don't have the intention to accomplish that goal, you won't do it. So um, I think it's really huge. Everyone should have a self-care plan. It should be reevaluated <laughs> every 30 days type thing. Um, and it should, it should be specific to things that work for you and things that don't. Um, you should have options, plenty of options. <laughs> learned that along the way
1: as well, options are good. Options are good. You heard me tell the story. I got that guitar during the pandemic and that was going to be a part of my self-care plan, but I can't read music. So it became more of a stressor. So I had to change that up. Right. I just listen to people play guitars. That's my ministry right there. Yes. Listening to music instead of playing it. It's good. Good. So as we, as we wrap up, being a therapist, you're headed on the licensure licensure track. Yes. Very exciting! Very exciting. Um, what is your hope for those who are scared to enter into the into enter, enter into therapy of their own? Um, what's your hope for those who may not even see the importance of going to therapy? Hmm.
2: Well, I always want to validate that. There's a lot of reasons to fear therapists, to fear system help, basically. Um, Bottom line, um, there is generational trauma there. There is um, just real life fears, you know, like what if they don't help me or what if they're not what I need in this moment? Um, I went to some conference, I believe it was SOCAT, and I cannot remember the speaker's name for the life of me, so forgive me. Um, But they said something that's always stuck with me, and they said that therapy is like dating. And at first I was like, what? No way. But then I thought about it and I was like, yes, absolutely. Like you have to date around. You have to be open to dating, right? First, that's the first step. And then you have to be open for it to be bad, okay? And that you can find someone good, okay? So um, I think that's important to know that your first experience may not go well and your first therapist may be terrible (laughs) and that's okay too. Um, So keeping that... in in your mind and being open to it and then the other part is I I do what's called parallels for my people because sometimes with mental health being a new thing right kind of something that's trending right now um it's hard to understand we we talked about fear we fear things we don't understand so I do parallels all the time physical health you go to your physical health doctor right you have to Mm -hmm. maintain your physical body you have a whole body here Well, your mind is inside of your body (laughs) and it's very important that we maintain our mental health, which is our brain. Um, And so, you know, just letting them know that just like you have a body to maintain, you have a mind that does not mean that you have a mental health disorder that's going to label you for life. It just means that you have some things to take care of. You got a little tune up you need here and there. You know, you got to relax every once in a while, restart, recharge those things Um, and just normalizing it as much as we can. People always are worried. Oh, if we talk about mental health, everyone's gonna. No, if we don't talk about it, no one's going to get help. And that's the biggest thing for me. Talk, 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 talk. Even when you're uncomfortable, talk a little bit more. Um, until someone says, oh, I never thought about it like that, or oh, that's the first time I'm hearing that. And then you know you've done, you've done a good job. So um I think uh, Monique says this a lot, one of our staff, she wants her job is to work herself out of a job. And I'm adopting that mindset. I would love to wake up one day and no one need me. I think that it would be a little frightening as a helper to feel that I might be a little panicked, but at the same time, I feel like it would feel like I've accomplished a lot and that I would feel good to know that my clients are empowered and doing things on their own. So go out there, try things out and get some help. It's okay.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. You, I hope you understand the impact that you are making. Um, This podcast is meant for people to realize that, you know what, you can do it and look back and say, yeah, I did it. Mm -hmm. I did it. So I appreciate you for being a part of another great impact that we're trying to make um, as people, as an agency. Um, And thank you for everything that you're doing. So we really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Thank you, final guys. words you want to leave for anybody listening. You ready to wrap up and get to your next session? Yes,
2: <laughs>
1: I am. I have understandable, no final words. Understandable. <laughs> Thank
3: you. TN Voices is now hiring qualified applicants to fill positions all across the state. You can be part of a growing team that puts the mental health of Tennesseans first and thrive in a compassionate work environment. To apply to join our team, log on to tnvoices.org slash employment. September is Suicide Prevention Month, and there are things each of us can do to help prevent suicide. Every year at this time, Lifeline and other mental health organizations and individuals across the U.S. and around the world raise awareness of suicide prevention. If you are having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-8255 and head to tnvoices.org for mental health resources including our newly renovated online library you can be the one to prevent suicide this month and all year long by gaining the tools and knowledge you need to foster better mental health for yourself and those around you. Thank you for joining us if you enjoyed today's program like subscribe and review this podcast if you or someone you know is in need of mental health support services log on to tnvoices.org or call 1-800-670-9882 join us next time as we get candid